So last weekend, I drove to North Carolina to pick Clayton up from camp. This was his first time to go away to sleepaway camp. He was at Camp Rockmont, which is just to the uh, east side of Asheville. And so um, I picked him up, and we got back on the road, and he started telling me all the things that he did, uh, uh, the swimming, the slides, the rappelling, the hiking, um, everything that they did at the camp. And he was really, really excited to tell me about it. And then a few minutes later, when he was done talking, I looked over, and he was completely asleep on the seat, dead asleep, tired after a, a long, busy week. But a little ways down the road, he, he woke back up. We were between uh, Asheville and Knoxville, and uh, since we were on a father-son adventure, I said, Clayton, why don't you uh, take my phone and Google water parks, and uh, let's see what we can find. And so we did that, and the first thing that popped up was Soaky Mountain Water Park in Sevierville, Tennessee. And, uh, and he said, are we going to go? And I said, why not? You know, it was like 15, 20 miles away. So we went to Soaky Mountain. The only problem was we were not the only people that day that had that idea. And um, we went to Soaky Mountain. We were there, I think, about five hours. And because of the crowds, we rode four slides in five hours. It was hot. Uh, it was crowded. But we still had a, a really uh, good time. But one of the slides that they had at Soaky Mountain is apparently common in water parks now is they had a tube slide that... Um, comes up through the floor of the stand, way up high, and uh, Clayton didn't want to do this, but I kind of felt like I needed to try it. Um, and so what you do is you get into the capsule, and you, you cross your arms and your legs, and then this thing kind of, you know, like a, it, 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 it closes up, and it counts down, three, two, one, and then the floor drops out from under you, and you drop about 25 feet before you go into a tube slide and, 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 and go all the way out. So, so um, so I'm a pretty big guy, right? So the laws of physics would say that when I get into a tube slide where there's a free fall, uh, I'm gonna go pretty fast. Um, and I did. I think I beat all the other people that were uh, on the other slides. But, but, but this was one of those things where you're kind of sitting there and your heart's beating and you're like, can't believe I, I decided to do this. And you know, what, what do I do if something goes wrong here? And is this really gonna work? And, and it was a lot of fun, but you know what? It kind of occurred to me while I was sitting there getting ready to do this tube slide, that that's kind of the way many of us have felt the last couple of years. Sitting there, um, not really sure what's gonna happen, but knowing that the floor's about to drop out for whatever reason. Have you felt like that the last couple of years? You don't really know what, what it's gonna be, but you just know that maybe there's something else that's lurking that we're about to find out about, another variant, another cycle, another war, and, and that's really been tough. And so we, we sit back anxious and on edge, and we, we see the war in Ukraine continue to, to play out. And have you noticed how many of us don't pay much attention to that anymore after a couple of months of watching it? And we see the stock market is struggling and we see people are still getting COVID, whatever version of it we're on now. Uh, we see that somebody gets arrested because they were going to kill a Supreme Court justice over a decision that might be made. We see school shootings and we see the gun control debates and we see crime in cities. And, and you know, I think my, my father last week was a little hard on newscasters when I watched the message. But, but the truth is there is a lot of bad news that we all have to take in and we have to process it. And we have to ask the question, wow, when's the good news gonna come? 
When are we going to get a break in all of this drama and, and, and sickness and, and madness in our, our world? And so what happens is we live stressed out and on edge. And, and when you're a parent, you know your kids can sense this. Anxiety is contagious. Your kids know when, when something is wrong. They can feel it. This month, we're doing the sermon series focusing on leadership and values, uh, looking at First and Second Timothy, Paul's letter to, to young Timothy. And so Paul's writing to Timothy, giving him instructions about sound teaching and doctrine and what it means to be a leader in the church. And, and guess what? Leadership matters. And, and, and values matter. You, you can't lead if you don't have the right values. And, and so as a church, we've... We have what we call core values here at Woodmont. We built them around the word Woodmont. We say we want to be a welcoming church. We want people to feel welcome here and not invisible. We want to have outstanding worship, three different styles every Sunday. We, we want to do outreach into this community so we can give back and make a difference. We have different traditions and denominations that are represented here, Presbyterians, Baptists, Episcopalians, Methodists. Um, we do ministry. We want all of our members to be involved in a ministry so you can serve and use your spiritual gifts. We're on the move. We had a bunch of O's to deal with when we did this. We're on the move, always trying new things. We're nurturing and we're transforming. Your faith should not leave you the same. It should change your heart, change your life, change the way you see the world. I became a dad in the summer of 2010. At the time, I just started my doctorate at Suwannee, University of the South, and Megan was almost nine months pregnant. And so uh, I was down there, but I had my phone on the desk and I was waiting for that uh, call, and I was in Bishop Will Willeman's class, um, teaching class down there, preach, sorry, preaching class, and, and the phone rang, and I saw a text from Megan and said, I think it's happening. And so I hopped in the car, I drove back to Nashville, and then early the next morning, about 2.40 a.m., uh, Montgomery May Stauffer came into the world. And, um, you know, a lot of people will give you advice on what it means to become a parent, and how you should parent your children and what that feels like, but you don't really know what that feels like until you live it, until you hold your child in your arms for the, for the very first time. You have to figure it out for yourself. But when I was in the car with Clayton last weekend, we were driving back uh, from North Carolina, I was thinking about our world and how crazy it, it can seem and I started thinking to myself, you know, what are, the, what are the timeless values that I'm trying to teach my children as they grow older? And they do grow up fast. I've got a, almost 12, almost, or actually 12, 10, and soon to be six-year-old. And, and so I was thinking, what are the essentials that I want them to know? What are the lessons that I learned from my parents that I want to pass down to them about faith, about life, about what it means to live with meaning and with purpose? And so what I'd like to do this Father's Day is share with you what I've come up with. And I want to ask you to think about, if you're a parent or even if you're not, what are the values that you think we should be teaching our children uh, and passing along to the next generation? Now, uh, this is one of those exercises where your list might not be the same as mine, the same as yours, but I think it's really important that we do this. So the first value that I came up with that I want to teach my children is how important it is to have an ongoing relationship with Christ. Because if they can develop that relationship and nurture it, 
then they will learn how to love, how to forgive, how to serve, and how to be compassionate as they grow up. Paul writes to Timothy, whoever teaches otherwise and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that is in accordance with godliness is conceited, understanding nothing, and has a morbid craving for controversy and for disputes about words. From these come envy and dissension and slander and base suspicions and wrangling. In other words, when you move away from Christ's teachings, then problems seem to get amplified and, and come around more often. And so I want my children to know that having a relationship with Christ will keep them focused on what matters most. No matter what stage of life they're in, what's most important, it will help them to cultivate what Paul calls the fruits of the Spirit. And he names those in Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The second value that I want to teach my children, I'm trying to teach my children, is how to be grateful and content in a world that is always pushing us to get more, 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 more. I want my kids to work hard. I want them to achieve and be successful in whatever they choose to do, but I don't want them to fall in the trap of always wanting more, 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 feeling like enough is never enough. Paul writes to Timothy in our passage, there is great gain in godliness combined with contentment for we brought nothing into the world so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. See, one of the problems in our culture, I think our American culture, is that we, we fail to be thankful. We are so focused on what other people have, we don't have, and so we want what they have, that we forget to be grateful for the basic blessings in life. And guess what? We're all guilty of doing it. If we spend our lives focused on what we don't have, there will never be enough. Enough money, enough house, enough of anything. But if we can wake up every day and give thanks to God for the blessings that we do have, a family, a home, a church, food to eat, good friends, health, we'll be much happier and much more content. In her book that just came out this spring, uh, Tolu Schuyler Quinn wrote these words. She, she quotes the Gospel of Thomas, which is one of those Gospels that didn't make it into the canon, but there's still a lot of uh, a great insight into Jesus's life in there. And she says, Thomas says, you know, about Jesus, or he quotes Jesus saying, Y'all keep looking for the kingdom of God over here and over there, but don't you know the kingdom of God is in you and among you? And so Toulouse says, there it is. I search and search for what has already found me, love that is born of me, part of me, surrounding me, holding me. And it's this present and boundless love who delivers us and then never lets us go. It never lets us go. I want to teach my children to be grateful and content in a culture that's always telling them that they need more, more, more. Third, I want to teach my children what it means to be resilient. I want them to know that when something goes wrong, when they get knocked down, when they feel defeated or down and out, it's time to get back up and keep pushing forward. You know, God has given us a resilient spirit 
And so part of this means that there are times when I have to let my kids fail, not swoop in and rescue them all the time. Because if I always come in and rescue them, then they will never learn what it means to be resilient, what it means to get back up and try again. And too many parents swoop in like helicopter parents and keep their children from failing. Paul writes in Romans 5, we boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not disappoint us. Everything that we go through in life that is difficult only makes us stronger. But that's only if we choose to be resilient. Our character is formed in the hard times of life. It makes us who we are. It doesn't mean that we choose to go through certain situations. They're not fun. They're not something that we wanted to experience. But guess what? It makes us better. It makes us stronger. We learn to turn dead ends into opportunities. We learn to live in hope. And and if we can live our life in faith and hope, then nothing can keep us down because we are resilient. And there will always be new opportunities. Fourth, I want to teach my children that success in life is about relationships and character and not about money and things. Success in life is about relationships and character and not about money and things. Paul continues, those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. I want my kids to work hard and to earn a living, and, and if they make a lot of money doing what they're passionate about doing, then, then that's great. But I want them to know that success at the end of the day is about your character, what kind of person you are, and your relationships. Who are the people that you're surrounding yourself with? Who are the people that you're investing your, your time and energy into? Paul is very clear that those who live for money will find themselves doing almost anything to earn it. And money is the number one substitute for God in our culture. If you talk about idolatry, money is the number one idol in our culture. And so Tim Keller, who's actually been battling cancer recently, he says this, when money takes hold of your heart, it blinds you to what is happening. It controls your thoughts and your anxieties and lusts, and it brings you to put it ahead of all other things. Now then if we move ahead to verse 17, Paul says this, as for those who in the present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. You know, we all have to deal with money. It takes money to live. Recently, it takes a lot more money to live. But oh, how quickly it becomes an idol. I want my kids to know that money makes a great servant in life, but a terrible master. And the way we should judge success should be based on character and relationships and not on money and things. Fifth value that I want to teach my children is the value of service. Servant leadership is the leadership model 
that Jesus presented. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Montgomery just got baptized this spring with uh, the other fifth graders, which was a great day for our family and for all of those families and for our church. And so this week, she's now moving up uh, this summer into the youth group and Chris and Jenny plan what they call Light Up Music City. And they've been doing this for a number of years where uh, the, 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 the students come in and they go and they do some type of mission project in the morning. Uh, they might go and, and, and help at a metro school. They would go and hand out Gatorades and waters to the homeless people in the midst of this unbearable heat that we've had. Uh, they'll go to a Second Harvest Food Bank and volunteer in, in the food pantry. Um, they've made cards for shut-in members who can't make it to church to let them know that we love them. So they do these things in the morning and then in the afternoon they go and they have fun. They go to National Shores or to the skate rink or whatever, but I think it's so important that we teach our kids the importance of service at a young age, because if we don't, then they will think that life is all about being served and having their needs met, but that's not what Jesus taught. He calls us to serve, and the earlier we learn this and teach this to our children, the more natural it will become, and there are opportunities to serve every single day day. Service matters, and our kids are learning that. Finally this morning, the sixth and final value, timeless value, that I'm trying to teach my own children is the value of humility. And C.S. Lewis, I think, gave the best definition of humility when he said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's just thinking of yourself less. I love that definition. It means living a life where you know that the world does not revolve around you. Jesus tells that famous story about the Pharisee and the tax collector who both went up to the temple to pray. You remember this story? The Pharisee stood by himself and he said, God, I thank you that I'm not like all the other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. And then he goes on, he lists all the things that he does. He says, I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of my income. Basically, look at how awesome and righteous and devout I am. But the tax collector who stood far off and was beating his chest, he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus concludes that story by saying, all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. Or as another person eloquently said, only by quieting the self, by muting the sound of our own ego, can we see the world clearly. Individual will and reason and compassion and character are not strong enough to defeat selfishness and pride and greed and self-deception. Everybody needs some redemptive assistance from the outside, from God, from family, friends, and the like, and that's why we need each other. That's why we need this community. So these are the values that I would like to think that Megan and I are instilling into our children to know Christ and his love to be grateful, to be resilient, to define success the right way, to serve other people, and to be humble. And so on this Father's Day, I challenge all of the parents and really everybody else who's a part of this church because of all the children that we have in this church to think about your own values and ask yourself, am I living them? Am I living them out? Amen.